Harrison Price for Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. Coming to you from the Go-Goat Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center. Downtown Vancouver. If you're visiting Vancouver, we suggest the Western Wall Center YVR. Get some rest and relaxation in those plush heavenly beds. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Grace Sassett and Switch is conducting things this show. A presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group is proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission is to make things better for our communities and the people that we work for every day, whether providing resources for education kids or sponsoring local events. Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best-in-class experience. Only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver because, Blake Price, it's all good at Applewood. (laughs) Today's Bodog poll question. Will Tyler Myers be a Canuck? On opening night in October. Yes or no, you can vote at Sick Harrison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Emiliano Grillo finished tied for second last year at the John Deere. He's the fifth choice at 30-1 to this year to take it home on your Bodog line of the day. We're asking this Tyler Myers question. There's been a little debate between yourself, me, Jeff, on... Myers and whether they're still going to trade him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't doubt that it's still a possibility. Uh, I don't doubt that they would like to clear more cap space for this season. I also doubt that a trade is possible before that $5 million bonus is due in September. I also now think he's appropriately slotted on the third pair if, in fact, Cole and Susie can play in the top four as they hope. Talkett likes, likes his big defenseman. They're trying to make the playoffs so i voted yes i i think he's going to be a member of the canucks into the season uh get back to me at trade deadline how uh I, and i'm right on the fence here because i think there's sound arguments to be made either way in that you do still need to get over i mean you're back to two million above the cap right now um depending how you cut your opening night lineup but yes yeah i mean it's they're they're going to be very close regardless um, mm-hmm. so you've got to, you've got to get some relief somehow. That's taken into account Pearson Pullman out, by the way. That's taking that into account. Um, so there's an easy way to have some breathing room under the cap, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, I think he's a National Hockey League player still. Um, so the question is, can you delete him from the lineup and can you find something as good as him? That's the other thing. With the space that you get. You've also got to backfill the minutes. Do you feel like you've got the guys in place to backfill the minutes? Here's where I wonder if you go and to... And, of course, account for quantity and depth as your season goes along. Do you go to a bottom feeder and find a uh, a $4 million capped defenseman there on his final year? Maybe. And just swap. And you're effectively getting the same performance, but... You're paying a sweetener just to move some money out. Just to move some money out. Mm-hmm. Have to be a righty, though, I would think. Probably. Both Susie and Cole have had experience playing on the right side, but it's not ideal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yesterday's Bodog poll question, we asked you after a weekend of NHL free agency, were you impressed with what the Canucks did? 2,100 votes here, Blake, yes or no? Oh, well, I think one. it was close, wasn't it? Wasn't it close? I'll say, I'll say yes one. Yes one. 60%. 78. What? 
that? And there were a lot of angry people in the comments. Angry at the 78. Yes. <laughs> CW. As Canucks fans, do we have such Stockholm Syndrome that an offseason spent signing death players to not awful <laughs> contracts is considered a win? It's sad out here. B in Campbell River. Uh. The standard was so low, though. Long-haired bastard. Okay with it? Yes. Impressed? No. My Canucks, Stanley Cup, clock has been reset. And then Bruce, there it is, says, impressed is the key word. Impressed? No. Did they make the team better? Sure. But that's the job, isn't it? (laughs) If they were to expect a tip, they'd be getting 15%. And that's a new school 15%, Bruce. Yeah, a lot of people took issue with the word impressed. Yep, yep. Well, and it it was specifically there, I right? Like, I like this comment from Ertois on YouTube. I am impressed by their restraint. Yeah. And I agree with all the low bars, and really, is this the standard we're expecting from Canucks management, that that could be impressive, adding depth players? I mean, if that was a cup contender who went out and added those players, you'd go like, okay, yeah, they've increased their depth. This is a bottom third team or on the fringe that's hoping to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. I neglected to report Monday's poll question results. We asked which free agent will be the most important addition between Susie Cole, Bluger, and other or not yet signed. Susie won with 65%. Cole got 20%. Not yet signed or other got 10%. More than Teddy Bluger at 6 Artem likes the coal signing a lot. Johnny says it's a bunch of meh. And then no cups ever. Pedersen will be the most important subtraction next year. Tired of playing for a loser. I think he orchestrates his way out of town, much like Beret and Luongo. And yes, Elias Pedersen and his extension now becomes one of the big focuses of the Vancouver Canucks summer. Do you get him done this summer? If not, why? If not, is it only going to get more expensive next summer? If not, is that a signal from Elias? So we'll have plenty of that as the next couple of months go on. But let's bring it a little closer. Two, name, two names to throw at you in my, uh, my Meyer situation. Oh, okay. Someone's done some research here. Zaitsev. Oof. Yeah, I know. Final um, year? Yep. Four and oh, a half. Four and a half, okay. Um, or uh, Tyson Berry. A little more palatable there, perhaps. Well, Barry's a much different profile. Yeah. And you do wonder whether the head coach who wants his big mobile defenseman wants a itty-bitty pure offense, no defense defenseman. Yep. I would be surprised. But you just brought in Irwin and Susie. So, well, Cole and Susie. And Irwin, well, in terms of size. Okay. So uh, you've got some size. I, 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 I'd, I'd be surprised, although the one thing about Barry that I'll note Boy, they had a lot of things go right for them offensively last year. Kuzmenko's shooting percentage, Julius Pedersen's incredible season, Hughes' incredible season, a power play that was still excellent. You take a look at how this bottom six is shaping up now. Outside of Connor Garland, I'm not sure there's a lot of goals in the bottom six. No. We're kind of back to Travis Green in the early part of his era, and and part of that was the the supply, the availability of players for Travis Green, but... Remember, he came in, he was a very firm top six scorer, bottom six check. And then they had that one off season where they were like, no, we're moving to a more modern forward group where your top nine has to score 
and then you play a fourth line. I don't see a ton of goals coming out of the bottom six this year. And, and that's accounting for Joshua doing pretty well last year as a goal scorer for them. So will all those things still fall in place? Don't know. That all said, will JT Miller drive more offense as a centerman, which he wasn't great at at even strength last year? He has been better driving offense as a winger, frankly, uh, in previous years with the Vancouver Canucks. You've got you've got five holding down center ice. You've got five legitimate top six wingers, I think, and then you know is you, that including Garland? It's including Garland. Okay. Well. Well, what? Well, I mean, five on five, he's amongst the league best, so I don't think that's debatable. Okay. Besser, Kuzmenko, Garland, Beauvillier, and McKeith, mm-hmm. and then you need Vasily Podkolzin to step up. You need. As we talked about yeah. yesterday, one yeah. of these young wingers, whether it's Hoaglander, but Colson, McDonough, really needs to take that next step. Yep. A development camp at UBC wraps. They're going to do a scrimmage here this evening. Uh, good conversation with Frank Carrado later in the show about development camp, what, what, uh, what you're hoping to achieve, what you should be achieving. But a chance here to see Jonathan LeCaramacchi. In a scrimmage, first-round pick from last year, Tom Wielander, first-round pick from this year, not to mention some other decent players. Akita Hiroshi's playing there, and I would hope that he looks as good or better than anybody on the ice, given that he's the one player at this camp that I could see making the opening night lineup. I'm not sure there's any other name here that has a legit chance of making the Canucks opening 23, unless they're besieged by injuries. But there's some guys here who could very well play NHL games this year. Uh, Max Sasson is one, probably, at center ice. Yep. And uh, Hiroshi is just, he's the name that Cole McWard would be another. But Hiroshi is the name that sticks out here, big time, as the guy who needs to look better than his peers, because you're hoping he's an NHL player from October, whereas a lot of these guys you don't expect them to be NHL players even this season. No. No, I I think McWard has a good chance to get uh, some games, and I think Sasson does as well. But uh, it's a pretty short list. Maybe Josh Bloom, the winger they got last year in the mm. trade. We haven't heard them. You, usually you need that name mention. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, I think you need to be name-checked by management before you sort of get... Um, to get that first look, but we'll see. I Quiet mean, from Buffalo. Last the um, the uh, uh, I bring him up just because he's an overage OH, OHLer. Um, yeah, but I mean, oh, he wasn't actually. He was a nineteen. My bad. I mean, the the Canucks themselves have got a overage. That's and, true. You know, CHL players that they haven't given a look yet. So, mm-hmm. um, we'll see. It's you know, I, I'm looking forward to training camp because I think that there's a there's a chance to win a spot here. We just talked about the winger the winger spots, and I mean, you know. Guys like Matt Irwin are not getting their position in pen at the age of 35. So um, there's some spots to be gained here for some of these young players. Our friend Mike Zanier, Swedish hockey insider, calls games over there, Canadian, Trail BC guy. Of course. Blake, he sent me a clip from a Swedish newspaper yesterday or this weekend where we hear from Oliver Ekman Larson, or I shouldn't say a Swedish newspaper, Hockey Sverige, mm-hmm. which you may know. There's a quote from Oliver Ekman Larson 
where he says, I scored the same amount of points I usually score and haven't been so fucking bad as everyone says. <laughs> so it sounds like Oliver Ackman Larson is a little ticked off here. It's Vancouver Media's fault again. Well, Vancouver Media, also, you know, Vancouver hockey fans. I mean, I don't understand Swedish. I don't know if he was pressed or took on the topic of how come the team was better with Noah Jolson and Guillaume Brisebois in the lineup than with you. But it sounds like there's a little bit of bitterness there from OEL. Yeah, I I think I think this is a guy who's been an all-star. He was a captain. I mean, this is a guy who's got to had an accomplished mm-hmm. career. Very accomplished And career. hit a cliff. Well, so an accomplished a career that he would be worthy of a standalone story in a Swedish. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that there's, I'm sure the tone of that, what, what sure. happened to OEL. Exactly. I mean, this was one of our best players yeah. on the national team. Best on best tournament Oh, absolutely. Guy, you know, so. Un- unquestionably. I'm not. I mean, hell, at his height, I mean, he would have been playing top pair, top four minutes. And, and honestly, for Sweden, I I think there's a, his agent also builds him up like that, right? You know, like mm-hmm. you've been hard done by, you've been wronged, so fit wasn't right. Yeah. So I think that 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 stands to reason. Not <laughs> not shocked that he would have that attitude. Yep. Uh, the other thing that I we're a couple of days into this. Said this already this week. We'll probably continue saying it. But the trade market hasn't really been unlocked here. And we await Calgary and Winnipeg, where there are some pretty juicy names on the block, or at least the Sharks are circling. And Ottawa, too. Those Canadian teams. Yes. But, of course, Ottawa and the other conference doesn't. Yeah. no, it doesn't Calgary and Winnipeg could really do Vancouver a solid with their retools here, if, in fact, retools are coming. If they take a step the back from the uh, well, line yeah. intentionally here. I yeah. mean, I thought Winnipeg executed a very good trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois, given the constraints. You got two right-handed centermen there. Mm-hmm. Calgary, we haven't really seen Craig Conroy do much. Daryl Sutter Lindholm might have ruined. and Hannah Finn, you know, not to mention Backlund and maybe even our old friend Chris Tanoff. Like, if you're moving on from those guys and you're not getting that necessarily level of NHL player back, then Calgary should be more gettable for the Canucks next season. And in Winnipeg's case, you know, we'd be talking, of course, wildcard here with a Western team, but you've moved out Pierre-Luc Dubois. I'm not sure you're as good as center ice as much as people may like Velarde and Kupari. You've bought out Blake Wheeler, and there's a Connor Hellebuck trade that may go down there. And Hellebeck is kind of a, he's a foundational piece, if mm-hmm. I can steal the term. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what's happening there. Because I think there is desire out there from NHL GMs and clubs to make deals and, and make big deals and refashion their teams in some regard. We just haven't yet seen it here a week past the draft. One, uh, I mean, that's one path to the playoffs is mm-hmm. is deleting some contending teams. And for the Canucks, that's, that's it. <laughs> yes. You know, that's, there are teams they're going to have to leapfrog. Yeah. And Calgary and Winnipeg are two of them. I suppose they don't have to leapfrog Winnipeg if they leapfrog enough teams in the Pacific. I'm surprised but that we're Calgary's talking. Calgary's a team that they have to. And I can't believe we're talking about Calgary in this regard because mm-hmm. I, I think there was a world in which they gutted the front office and the bench and 
and we're a lot better. But mm-hmm. there's there just seems to be so much fallout now. Yep. Like Daryl Sutter might have ruined this team for five to six years. Like it, it might be hard to outrun. Yep. Whatever the heck happened. Now we're hearing that some players don't want to be traded to Toronto because they don't want to be under Brad for living again. Like honestly, there's some scars here. Wow. And I don't know this necessarily. Because they hate Brad Trill. I just think that their experience in Calgary was so bad, they don't want to, they don't want to tempt fate again. BC Lions home Sunday to the Montreal Alouettes. It is Fam Fest, not fan, but Fam Fest, family day at BC Place. Oh boy, are they rolling rolling out the red carpet here? If you've got little ones, Blake. Take yourself back ten years when your uh, when your children were little. You can meet and greet some of your favorite characters, including Chase, Sky, and Marshall from Paw Patrol. Whew. Mickey Mouse, the one, the only, the imported Mickey, Iron Man, wow, Pikachu, Darth Vader, and stormtroopers from Star Wars. Wow. I mean, there's something for everyone there. There's a battle royale in the Congress. Really? Yeah. But here's the thing. Iron Man could take down Vader so easily. Mm-hmm. Although the force is pretty strong. Maybe he could tie up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a good fight. Uh, there is also halftime entertainment. Mm-hmm. The extreme dogs. This isn't super dogs. These are extreme more, dogs. They're more extreme, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And we're sending people to the game as we do every BC Lions home game, everybody. Text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680 for your chance to win a pair of tickets, plus a food and beverage voucher and a gift card for the team store. Hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680. We're going to have Vernon Adams on the show later this week. Lions suffered their first defeat at the hands of the Toronto Argonauts, now facing another pretty good Eastern team in the Montreal Alouettes 2-1. and one. Coming here to BC Place. And a reminder, if you haven't entered our Best Buy contest, chance to win a $50 gift card to Best Buy, go to at Sikerson Price on Twitter. You'll see the post there. Follow the instructions. Canada has a win at the Gold Cup. Thank God. Yeah. Jeez, that was not an About easy watch. Time. They beat Cuba. They're through to the quarterfinals where they get the U.S. men's national team, and uh, it didn't go very well last time. Well, yeah, they're very USA. different teams. Two, both teams are extraordinarily different from uh, right. the Nations but League. We had a better team on the pitch that day, and they got throttled. Yeah, I mean, so did the U.S. It, it, truth of the matter is, it, it's still it's probably to scale. They were better that day. They will be better this coming day as well. Um, they're going to just have to be better. Like even against Cuba, like defensively, like they they've rarely had pressure. But the times that they did have pressure, they scored two penalties, legitimate ones. And there was a couple other scares as well. They had probably four legitimate trips down the pitch to score on the Canadians, and they were scary all four times. Like, they've got to be better defensively, and my God, finish the ball. You think, oh, they scored four, though, Blake. They should have scored about 12. Like, I honestly don't know how they missed some of the the, uh, chances that they had. So that's all got to get sorted. And they are getting mildly better from match to match, So, and they've got a big, long break now. Um, so a chance to rest mm-hmm. up, but holy cow, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a golden generation of Canadian men's soccer for sure, but 
this depth has got to be picked up here a little bit here. Yes. And in particular in the back line. Come well, on. because, I mean, if this golden generation comes and goes and there's nothing coming behind them. Right. That's the scary part. Right. So figure it out. Like here, Argentina guys. and Spain basketball. At one point, they had so many NBA players, Australia to a degree too. Yeah. Where they thought, hmm, we're going to be on Olympic and world championship podiums and we got a chance maybe if everything goes right to beat the United States and then their golden generations came and went. And now you're looking at it and it's much slimmer pickings. And, and you know, they, and they have to face the U S now in the quarters instead of the semis because they punted against Guadalupe and uh, Guatemala. If mm-hmm. they get a win in one of those, they're facing Jamaica today, which yeah. is a far more fair fight. I want to take you back 11 months. The Toronto Blue Jays, were in need of arms for the big league team. They make a trade with the Dodgers to acquire right-hander Mitch White, who was a pretty reasonable prospect at one point. Eat some innings, patch the dam with the major league club. Alongside White, and they gave up two pretty good pitching prospects to get White. Alongside White, they got a decent middle infield prospect, Alex DeJesus. Mm -hmm. Last night in Hillsborough, DeJesus becomes the first Vancouver Canadian, this iteration, to hit for the cycle. Finished it off with a single. He had seven RBI in the 8-2 win over Hillsborough. He's up to 262 on the season with 10 home runs, team leading 48 RBIs and six triples. A really good-looking prospect here for the Vancouver Canadians and the Toronto Blue Jays. Caesar in Hillsborough all week. They have the Major League Baseball All-Star break next week as well. Back home on the 14th of July. It's a Friday against Eugene. And that one is not a new one. That's a 705 star. We told you some of the Saturday, well, all the Saturday games now are 705 starts. And that Friday is actually not a nooner. Plan ahead if you want your Vancouver Canadians tickets. They are a hot item in, a, in the Vancouver summer. The Golf Report brought to you by the Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club. And we've been telling you about those client and buddy trips up at the Whistler Golf Club. Also home to the Nike Pro Shop featuring exclusive footwear, apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, and more. And not only that, home to the Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill featuring one of Whistler's top 10 patios. For more information, to book a tee time, visit whistlergolf.com. U.S. Women's Open is at Pebble Beach. Should be fun. And Brooke Henderson is in a very intriguing, uh, they're going threes, trios? Yeah, Rose Jang and Lydia Cole. So that's star-studded. Mm-hmm. Um, teen off tomorrow, right? Am I right? Yes, tomorrow, 2.50 mm-hmm. p.m. So uh, that's good for us here on the uh, West Coast. Um, I love when the U.S. opens and the PGAs come to the Western, yeah. uh, to the uh, Pacific Otherwise, time. they're so over we, at noon. No, exactly. Like, you get to watch it well into the evening. It's good late afternoon uh, four Canadians, supper time viewing. Four Canadians in the U.S. Women's that's Open. Good. So you're thinking, oh, that's good. Brooke Henderson's the only pro. Oh really? Yeah. No, good. None of the other peripheral, I'll say peripheral, but I mean there's uh, there's we've had some other pros doing well here, Linda Sharp and included. Uh Celestal Monechun and Morgan Creek, Lauren Kim mm. are the amateurs that are uh qualified for the US women's open. But it's all about Brooke, of course. Uh she's got forty four majors under her belt. She's only missed the cut once in forty four majors. That's very good. That's very good. But just the two wins, 14 top 10s, 29 
top 25. So usually she's in the top 25, but mm-hmm. we several want years ago tens. she had some real big struggles at majors, uh, but she's rectified that a little bit. And I'll say this, um, just from talking to friends, I think the future of Canadian women's golf is pretty good. I think we've got some pretty good amateur players. Mm -hmm. Locally here, Leah John, she's playing at the University of Nevada. She just missed qualifying for this tournament, got into a playoff. Do you know they did nine-hole playoffs? Oh, my God. Really? Like cumulative, like like Like, score? Her and another golfer. It didn't last night because they kept tying. So there was apparently two spots available out of this qualifier. Somebody won, two players tied at the same number, and they went to a nine-hole playoff. Wow. Which I thought was a little extensive for a qualifier, but there you go. I mean, the USGA has also done things a little differently, of course. You remember the full 18-hole Monday playoffs that they used to do? Royal so, Nation still do four-hole playoffs? I want to say it's just four-hole. I want to yeah, say it's, it's not yeah, which, death, though. Because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, did the USGA not move to that format for the men's open? I don't remember. It's been a while since we. Yeah, well, I don't remember. And this feeds into our larger discussion about how there hasn't been a lot of dramatic finishes no, at men's majors. So, far. but here's the last thing on Brooke. Uh, she's got a run of twelve straight top twenty fives in majors. So her last twelve. So that's basically three years worth of work. Um. Well, actually, are they at five now? Do they have five they majors? Have five. Have yeah. Five. So it's less than this is the last couple of years. She's got her got it going here. So let's hope Brooke can have another good one. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by De Dutch, to breakfast, to brunch, to lunch. Get it all. At the Dutch, typically Wednesday at To The People We Go Day. We're going to push that to Thursday just because of the availability of our guests and everything this week. But we will talk to Rick Dollywall, his final hit of the summer with us before Donnie and Dolly go on break following this Friday. Frank Corrado stops by. Fascinating discussion with Frank on Rutherford Alvin and the way the defense was handled in Pittsburgh, as mentioned some believe that that defense core for Pittsburgh was amongst the worst to ever win a Stanley Cup, let alone back-to-back Stanley Cups. Frankie gives us some insight on that, as well as development camp. His old partner, Ian Cole, and yes, they played together in Pittsburgh, as well as uh, some thoughts on free agency this year and some of the themes. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. 
Of the many faults with the Vancouver Canucks' previous regime, their scouting of defensemen ranked near the top of the list. Now, drafting Quinn Hughes, of course, was a huge hit. But from Eric Branson to Tyler Myers to Tucker Pullman to Oliver ekman Larson, XGM Jim Benning and company took some mighty swings and misses on the blue line. Is that changing under Rutherford and Alvine? The early returns are good, and no, we're not talking about Carson Susie and Ian Cole, not yet anyways. Akito Hiroshi looked like a poised NHL-capable player in a seven-game cameo last season. Fellow college free agent Cole McWard played well in five NHL games. We haven't seen enough of Philip Hironik to judge, but he's a top-four NHL defenseman. And while the acquisition cost was high, the Canucks would be lost without a player of his caliber on next year's team. Christian Wallana and Noah Juleson provide wise, proved to be wise depth signings last season. Both should contend for more NHL games this season. Wallanen was named the AHL's top defenseman. He may even crack the opening night lineup. Even betting era holdovers, Guillaume Breesbaugh, Jet Wu took steps forward last season, keeping their dreams alive of one day being NHL regulars. Beyond that, there's European free agent Philip Johansson, a one-time first-round pick. And, of course, the guys from the last two draft classes, Tom Wielander, Elias Pettersson, EPD, Hunter Brustevich, and Sawyer Minio. Now, outside of Hronik, none of these players figure to dramatically affect the team this season. But Rutherford and Alvin, they do have a track record of rehabilitating defensemen, slotting them appropriately from their time in Pittsburgh. Their 15-16 Cup team had one of the worst defense scores of any championship team, but it got more out of the sum of the parts with players like Trevor Daly, Ben Lovejoy, Brian Dumoulin, and yes, Ian Cole, all contributing. The next season, they repeated. Ron Hainsey and Justin Schultz subbed for Lovejoy and Dumoulin. And all along, Chris Letang was their only star on defense. So you see the pattern and you see the profile here. Fast forward to today. And for the first time in years, the Canucks blue line looks like it has serviceable depth, even if more quality is needed. And with the track record of this management team, it's fair to expect some good returns from Susie and Cole this season, even if they're asked to being play, even if they're being asked to play up the lineup, like some of the defensemen in Pittsburgh of yesteryear. That's welcome at for today. And we invite your feedback. Feedback channel says follows on email live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680, the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Sikaris, at Price, and a welcome at our presentation of Northlands Golf Course, Metro Vancouver's premier public golf course starting March 1st. That was some time ago. You can book your tee time 90 days in advance. Join the loyalty program. Price your next round could be free. And, of course, check out the patio on a gorgeous summer day like this. Details, golfnorthlands.com. Harrison Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group, proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission is to make things better for our communities and the people we work with every day. Whether they're providing resources for education, kids, sponsoring local events, Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best-in-class experience. Only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver because, of course, it's all good. At Applewood. Bodog poll question today. Will Tyler Myers be a Canuck on opening night? Yes or no? You can vote at Sick Harrison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. 
Rose Zhang is the new superstar in women's golf. She won her first event as a pro. She finished eighth at the her first major. And most importantly, she's a Stanford player who knows Pebble Beach well. They competed there that this past season. She's the favorite, believe it or not, at plus 800 at the U.S. Women's Open on your Bodog line of the day. I'm Neo Citroen out, so I'm really dozy. I could go to sleep right now. I, I, if I fell over, I'm done. I'm gone. Yeah, Robitussin, that's it. I've been pounding that like hell. Here he is, one half of the team, Donnie and Dolly, weekday check television, 10 to noon, at least till this Friday. It's our Canucks Insider, usual Friday regular, but he had to go Wednesday because he's, he's skedaddling quickly after their last show Friday, the one and only Rick Dollywall. No, the last show is tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I'll put myself on Arizona missions. Yeah, put your. Uh, okay. That's an emission number seven two nine five for you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's probably about right. <laughs> over the years, mm-hmm. errors and emissions. That's uh, got to be mm-hmm. by ten thousand by now for you, there, Sakaris. Right. We are you off guys tomorrow. Would have that segment, but you only have two hours. You're off your tomorrow show. too. Mm-hmm. We're off for the summer tomorrow. After tomorrow, right? After tomorrow. We Our final wow. show is tomorrow, and then uh, we're back in the first week of uh, September. Now I get it for you and Donnie. You guys are old. You need your rest. You've earned long summers. What about Henderson, though? What a scam. What is he, he on the gravy train? or What does he do with himself? Yeah, exactly. This, hey, he's got the same agent we do, buddy. Hey, when you got the same agent, you get all the same deals. Mm. He is a young buck, though. Exactly. He's not I remember when up. he used to work hard at 1040 when he was trying to oh. make his name and he was in early. Ricky, yeah. he would sneak quiet as a church mouse. Oh, I know. Into I know. the booth. Does he grab have some a, of the binders? Does he that have he a side him. grift? Does he have a side grift in the summer? Does he uh does he run an ice cream truck or anything? The, like tell him to he's gotta support the, the family here. He Talk never uh, he never paid his dues though, like Taylor and myself. No. Mm. No. We work for so? Three thirty bucks, three thirty an hour <laughs> up in uh, Dawson Creek and Fort St. John, and back in the nineties and eighties and seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, Splicing you know, tape together, right, Ricky? Huh? Yeah, having the ra- razor blade, having to cut oh. the tape, having to patch it, having to oh, run it through. That brings back so many memories. Uh, splicing. Yeah, you know, really I hated was, that. We were. I was the. I was part of the last class, radio class yeah. at Carlton that actually learned that skill. The next year they stopped doing it because they're like, you guys are never going to need this. It's all they, gone. they taught us in 1998. And it's like, yeah, even, exactly. in even in 1998, like, it was like, really? Why? Price, we have the, Price, we have the software. Bryce, you're a young buck like Henderson. You don't know this stuff. Anyways, carts. Yeah. Remember carts? I remember doing a sports mm-hmm. cast in the nineties with like 12 carts. You got to take <laughs> two cart machines and you got to put it in the clip, take it out, put the new one in all while you're mm-hmm. focusing on reading the cast. Oh, yep. the memories. Flintstones Radio. That's what it was. So I heard J.P. Barry on your show saying um, we've had preliminary discuss- discussions on Elias Patterson, but it's been slow and we're going to take a break and pick it up later in the summer. And part of me hears that and wonders, 
does Elias just want more time to evaluate where the Vancouver no, Canucks no, organization no, is no. at before he commits Matt, long-term? Matt, they had initial talks. The last three weeks, mm-hmm. uh, all these agents are getting ready for the NHL draft. Uh, J.P. Barry and Pat Brisson had a ton of guys drafted. Then they got free mm-hmm. agency. The reason it slowed down is the, because the Vancouver Canucks and Patterson's firm obviously clearly were focusing on the NHL draft and free agency. It's got nothing to do with what you're saying. It's got everything to do with things slowed down because of the draft and free agency. And he said very nicely on our show that they'll get restarted later in the summer. Um, so there's nothing there. The reason talks slow. Are you sure? Okay. Unless you got information. No, no, like well, no but here, here's my point. The Vancouver Canucks have made a habit of not prioritizing Elias Pettersson. He's their best player coming off a fantastic season. And if they wait another year, he's going to get even more expensive. So for me, everything in the Vancouver Canucks interest right now is to get Elias Pettersson signed to a long-term contract extension. And I would think that's priority one before August. Okay, when, so as we know, really oftentimes expect- the league take and its members take some time off. So did you? So that's that's what deal? I'm trying to figure out. Okay, that's so what I'm trying you, to figure out. I'm trying to nicely ask you: Did you expect a deal to be announced on July 1st? Is that what you're saying? No, Matt? no, but but okay, then- I would anticipate that you try and get a resolution quickly here. Now that you're through all the events, happen, free agent. Though. They never. Both sides said it's going to take time. And and LP Why, said. Though? Alvin said we're not in a rush. They do hold his rights for two more years. You do realize that, Matt. It, well, it was they, never yeah. going to happen in July. Did you uh, think as, it was going to happen not? in July? Well, why wouldn't it happen in July? Why, why, why wouldn't would this organization finally say, Elise, you're our absolute number one priority. Yeah. Here's the best offer we can do. Let's get this done, and let's make it a happy summer for everybody, knowing full well that you're going to be a Canuck long term. Yeah, so there's this thing, little thing called uh, a number that they got to agree on, Matt? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it would have got done July 1st if they would have gave him a blank check. But it just doesn't work like that, Matt. They got to agree on a number. I don't think that mm-hmm. they're, you know, it's it's hard to come up with a number. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what you think the number is. Comparables on both sides. I got a pretty good feeling if they were in the same neighborhood, uh, yeah. it would happen. Okay. Pretty, yeah, but it takes but, time. But, but, but. But let's 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 uh, quibble over the semantics here. What's quick mean? Like, if this is done by September tenth, isn't that relatively quick and fine? Like, wh- yeah. why does it need to be in the month of July as opposed to yeah. the month of August? There's just I I don't I when I checked in with both sides, I don't get the sense there is a rush on either side. I get the sense that in due time they'll get to it. Um, you do realize they can qualify him next year at eight eight and keep his rights for another year after yes, that. Yes, I do. But uh, the and fear, I think that would be unwise okay. because it's only going to get more expensive if Elias continues yeah. to yeah. perform, particularly when the cap goes up. That was my flip side question here, Rick. Yeah. We've seen a number of deals, including from your boy Milstein and some of his clients, yep. but also now Tyler Bertuzzi, mm-hmm. of guys taking shorter term deals so that they're free and able to get the jackpot when the cap moves up as soon as... Yeah. Next summer. But those Do you think that's a all... possibility with Elias no, no, no. and JP? It, 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 Matt, Matt, those guys are UFAs. Yes. It's, it's uh, th- This is an RFA, right? Yes. Um, it's totally different. And there I... is a different, 
there is a difference other than next year, JP can go to them and say, oh, well, the cap is this now and it's going up even further. And so my guy deserves a bigger percentage of the cap because, you know, I, I think, think the one thing that sides, people don't realize as much is that yeah. agents fixate more on the percentage of the cap yeah. for their I, player uh, than the actual I, raw number. Yeah, I'm sorry, Matt. Everything I've heard is both sides want to get a long-term deal done. Here, let, let me uh, summarize what JP said on the show. Um, initial talks is slowed down. They're going to re-kick her up. If he has another great year and if he outpoints Austin Matthews, we asked him, you know, obviously the ask is going to be higher. The leverage would swing to Pedersen. So I want, I'm kind of, you know, get it done this summer or else you might have to pay through your nose. We asked him, uh, Donnie asked him if, um, you know, is he tired of the losing in Vancouver? And he said, no, he's not frustrated with losing. He does see progress being made. He's happy and likes the city. The biggest concern for me is what Matthew Kachuk, Alex Debrinkat, and Pierre-Luc Dubois have done. Not willing to sign long-term deals. We're not there yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, so that every case, JP said every single case is different. Don't forget, he also did Pasternak and he was in the same boat and he got the done a deal done there. So look, at, the, the thing I took away from JP is that talks will resume this summer. He likes it in Vancouver. He's happy here. And hopefully they get a deal done. But if you wait a year and he gets another 100 points, Leverage is going to swing to him, and the price, yeah. the na- the price of that neighborhood, and if he outpoints Matthews again, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. you know, well, and and number that that would be my concern for the Canucks is on two levels here. Number one, you have never made this player a priority in terms of extending him, despite the fact he's your best, and he may very well cost you more if you wait. So that's why I sense urgency for the Vancouver Canucks as an important symbol to Elias that you are our guy, you are the priority, but also the wise fiscal okay, but, but never you can't just strong, do it. You can't never just do it just for that reason. It's got to make sense economically, Matt, for both sides. Sure. And, and never is a strong word. They've had one other kick at this can. And yeah, yeah it didn't go well. But it, right. it, it never. they've had one other opportunity and the previous administration whiffed on that. Yes. Okay. Um, but, uh, one and more and did a bridge yeah. deal that's now coming home okay. to haunt. Yeah. So has yeah. the lesson not been learned? Okay, I hold guess, a second. Would be that much. was a previous regime, Matt. That right. this regime's got nothing to do with the owner. regime. Oh, same owner, okay. his money. Like, why isn't the owner in there going? So let's get this done. Let me take you back to three years ago. And JP told these guys, he said, get both these guys done now for six, seven years. But sadly, the previous regime still had Erickson, Beagle, and Russell in the books, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. So you can't lump what happened in the previous regime, uh, Matt. I don't think you can with this current regime. And the circumstances were totally different. Now, and, and honestly, J.T. Miller signed, what, what What day did J.T. Miller sign last year? Labor Day Friday. Right. So Labor if that Day happens, Friday. if if least yeah. person signs that deal, is there, is there an issue there? Yeah. No. no. So I got no, the, there's nothing that says weeks. that he's not higher on their priority list. I I got nothing negative from J.P. today. The Canucks have said, I think Alvin said last week uh, that, you know, there's no rush. We'll get it done. Everybody wants to get it done. The most mm-hmm. important thing for me is the player. And he's not telling, instructing his agents to not get it done. From everything we've heard, he's telling them, yeah, I like Vancouver. Let's get it done. 
And Dolly, how, how, how important is that? Because when we see what's happened with Calgary and yeah. players wanting out, and I'm not yeah. even talking about Goudreau and Kachuk now, I'm talking about what losing and what dysfunction outside of the room has done to some of those players. Yeah. I mean, this, this second more, wave. All the more yeah. reason to get it done early. Like, if next year goes poorly, gents, then he's staring at another failed Completely. season from the Vancouver well, I, I think I think you try to get it done before opening night for sure. Oh, yeah. for sure. Absolutely have to. Yeah. But Matt, Go it's ahead, not Rick. a two million dollar player. You keep saying do it quick. This is probably going to be a nine, ten, eleven million dollar. Those deals take time. Like where do you I, I don't understand no, but, why no, Rick Rick, in, in a lot of ways, those deals are easier. You know roughly what the numbers are going to be. You know it's going to be a full no move clause until yeah. a, a certain year. And I, you know it's going to be max term. Yeah. Or at I, least I, that's what I mean. Of course, they both both sides so, have said publicly that a long-term deal would be good. Right. So, yeah, so, yeah. you've got I, a couple I, of I, big I pieces in any negotiation that are already done here. I don't see eight-year term. Eight-year term. I don't see anything negative. Mm-hmm. I, I I think they'll get it done. It'll take some time. Mm-hmm. It's a big negotiation. The other thing, guys, um, that you know, I, I I've talked to JP about this in the past. When JP's had a concern with with a player in Vancouver, remember the uh, face-to-face in England with uh, Dave Nonis and Mark Crawford and about the Sedin twins and their future, and, and JP went to England to meet with these guys? I, I wonder if, you know, a face-to-face it will happen here at some time in the summer too. I just, uh, Matt, I get what you're saying, but I just hmm. don't think it has to be done in July. And and Ellis Pedersen isn't stupid. He knows he's number one on the Canucks to-do list. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Well, I mean, the only reason why I'm saying July is because, as we know, a good part of the NHL FOs in August. So, um, but clearly they worked in August on JT Miller. No, yeah, yeah. they you did know, last so. year. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, done quickly. It, and JT yep. Miller was uh, when they found out uh, Horvat's number and they knew it wasn't going to work, and they got that one done mm-hmm. right away. Guys, the other one, uh, your poll question uh, about Tyler, yeah. My- uh, Tyler Myers. I Barry uh, JP also represents uh, Tyler Myers. Guys, uh, he was not aware of the San Jose rumor. He said that's the thirteenth team that. Tyler's been traded to in the last two years. He says a lot of the rumors have no substance. But this is, look, he did admit Myers will be very attractive trade asset at the trade deadline because after his bonus on the 15th, he's going to have $1 million in real money left on his deal. And he'll, But, you know, um, it, it, when names get out there, like Myers and, and people talk all the time, uh, you know, you hear names out on the market. There's usually smoke, you know, there's usually smoke, right? But Myers' name's been out there. I think a lot of people, that, look, when I look at the Canucks right now, $2.5 million over the cap, I don't think Elvin's done. I think he's working the phones right now, trying to free up some money because they still have interest in guys like uh, Maxime uh, Comtois, uh, Denton Heinen. You know, I'm going to keep my eye on P.S. Sutter, um, he, they liked him last year. I'm still looking for a veteran center cheap. Um, if Miller and Patterson get hurt, I'm still concerned about one of the bottom six center supplying very important minutes in the top six. Remember last year, um, Amon played in Dallas when Miller couldn't. Um, he had a tough. Time. Can you can you imagine, guys, on what, if one of those guys well, is injured? That's, what that's, what did the top that, six looks that, like? That, like yeah, and. Oh. Your top six centers, you you want playmaking guys that can feed wingers the puck, and, and yeah. I, I, I get scared. There's three guys I get scared of right now when they get hurt. 
Miller, Pedersen, and Demko. I, I, I'm really, you know, and time will tell, but they couldn't give another goalie. A, the reason Delia is not here is they told him, we can't give you one way. And they got the the guy that they wanted for two-way. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I know Silovs has been great, but um, I, those are the three guys that if they get injured, they've got to improve the depth. You know, it amazes me, guys, that this team has missed the playoffs seven of the past eight years, and they have not developed a center in with all those high picks, albeit they've traded a ton of those high picks. I, I, this Max Sasson guy, don't, don't rule him out down the road. I like him. And but you've got to develop centers. You can't be going to get third, fourth line centers on July first. Those guys, especially when you've missed the playoffs seven of the past eight, you've got to develop those guys. They've got to be ready to go on the farm, and they don't have that. And that's why they had to go get Bluger. Ten team no trade clause yep. for Tyler Myers to 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 consider. So um, haven't developed centers. Haven't developed defenseman either outside and, and that's why Quinn Hughes you've got yeah. you've why? developed one player at the most important guys skating positions let me ask you if you've missed yep. the playoffs in seven of eight years should you not have one of the top farm systems in the league yeah mm-hmm. absolutely but, but they, they don't. or young or young cores. They now they would argue they have a better young core than most. Although, you know, the core is now even. <laughs> Q's twenty three, Pedersen twenty four, Demko twenty seven. Like you, can, you know, it's not as young as it used to be. Mm-hmm. What's killing them right now is the last four years and all the first and second rounders they traded. It's just yep. it's going to haunt. And haunt yeah. and haunt and I'm. When sorry. you never admit you're bad, this is what happens. That's when it. you we're, never admit it. that you're bad, when, when you don't self scout appropriately and honestly, yeah. and when you kowtow to fanciful notions that we're a player or two away That's from right. getting to the playoffs, and then anything can happen. Yeah. This is the hole that you dig, uh, uh, Ricky. Know you're off uh, for the summer at this point. If huge news like Elias Pettersson resigning breaks, I yep. imagine that you can. Find some time in your summer for always us. for you too, especially you, um, buddy. You are uh, <laughs> hey, you are actually no. you are an absolute shining light in our world, oh. and we adore having you on the program weekly. Okay, listen, I, I want to golf on. Do you want to golf on Friday? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not golf. I'm going to Toronto. I, I, I oh. got to go to Toronto. Keep asking you, and okay. you keep denying. No, no, yeah, okay. we'll get we'll, we'll, we'll get golf. We'll get we'll get you to Northlands. Let, let me get this in, okay? Because this is from the heart. Mm-hmm. I want to wish you guys the best. Um, you know, we're trying to survive in tough times in our industry. It's it's changing and technology's killing us, and, and, you know. But one thing that Donnie and I try our best is to be local, and I know you guys do too. Yeah. Uh, we love to tell stories from the 70s and 80s, Lions, Whitecaps, uh, Canucks, Ernie Punch McLean, the Bruins. I talked to Punch last week. He's doing really good, by the way, guys. He's, he's just a really, really, really good guy, Ernie Punch. No suits in Toronto going to tell us mm-hmm. what to do on our show same with you guys, local, local, local. We try our best. We make mistakes. We're human. Even the haters, you know, the 5% haters out there that hate the media and, you know, Five. they, they wow. listen. Here's the, funny part. <laughs> Here's the funny part about the haters. They listen to mm-hmm. you and they follow you and they still rip you. I was told at a young age, if you don't like someone, don't interact with them. But these haters, they listen, they follow you and they still hate you. But you know what? I'm not everyone's cup of tea. There's people that like me, people that don't like me. Oh, That's, I'm okay with that. But nonsense. listen, we try our best. We make mistakes. We are human. But uh, seven of the last eight years, no playoffs for the Canucks. We'd like to cover a winning team, too. It sucks all this losing for us, too. So hopefully it starts turning around next year. And, and Matt, uh, 
you know, both of you, good guys. Uh, <laughs> Earl Grey, Darjeeling, uh, yeah. and then Rick Dollywall. Your top just, three cup of teas. Yeah. Matt, I just wish you the best for dealing with Bryce cocky, arrogant yeah, little prick sometimes. But, you know, yeah. you know, um, he really is. Um, but uh. I wish you the best, uh, Matt. Have a good summer, you too, uh, Blake. And uh, we'll see you back in September and hopefully. So maybe we could get rid of some of these negative people on Twitter and, and the negative ones that reply Don't to let them get you down, Ricky. Don't uh, let them get you down. You, you do though, fantastic you work. No, he, I know. You you look at the kid in Montreal, Ryan Backer, fifth overall. Oh, and, and all these Habs fans shit on him. And the poor kid, one of the nicest, best. This is why Twitter sucks. This is why there's so many negative human beings in this world. That poor kid goes fifth overall. What a great day for his family. What a great day for him. He's worked hard all his life, gets drafted, and then he sees all these fans shit on him. Like, this is the society we live in. We're okay. We're in the media. I could care less. Uh, But I feel for that kid. It breaks my heart when... You, you see that, and he goes through that, and that poor kid worked hard all his life to get drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. And to see that negative feedback, it was very sickening and sad. Uh, but you know what? Uh, despite all the negative people, we're going to march on. We're going to do what's best for the city of Vancouver. This is a great hockey town, great sports town, and we're going to keep providing local stuff, whether you like us or not. God bless you, Rick Dollywall. A kinder, kinder gentler world with Rick. Mm-hmm going forward. Thank you for everything this year, Ricky. Have a great summer. summer. We'll talk to you in September or sooner. Have a great summer. Love you guys. And uh, we'll see you in September. Harrison Price from All Center presentation Applewood Auto Group and hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter. They're brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason Dodd Mortgage, a recent Sakaris and Price listener contacted Jason one month before their mortgage renewal. Jason noticed they could get out of their mortgage and get a lower rate, even with the get-out penalty. They saved money. Had this listener waited on the bank to renew, it would have cost them $7,000. That's the advantage you get with Jason Hominick on your side. Find him at Jason Dodd Mortgage. Well, what a day. Milos Raonic. At Mark H. Masters. We told you yesterday. He's back. Mm. In his first Wimbledon match since 2019, Milos Raonic defeats Dennis Novak. 6-7, So he won the last three sets to win in four. Here's the bad news. Next up, mm-hmm. 16 seed Tommy Paul or Shintaro yeah. Mochizuki. So you're looking for an upset from Mochizuki. I thought you were going to go into the top five there. I thought I was going to hear Alcaraz or Novak or something like that. No, and, and that's the thing. Like, you know, if it is Tommy Paul, I mean, well, so be it. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you, you got to beat somebody good eventually, right? So right. Um, uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, here's the thing is he, he said that he hasn't, like, isn't, this isn't a comeback to be a regular full-time player anymore on the tour. He has said he's going to come back. He's going to play. Uh, Rogers in Toronto, he's going to play in the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. And that's all he's planning on playing this year. Yeah. Well, good for him. And I mean, it should but be. But it's exhausting. Abs- the majors, grand slams are exhausting. So, well, like, sure. eventually, I think his body's going to wear down here. Uh, and it should be quite a love in at the Rogers Cup mm-hmm. with a local boy who has done so well. It's funny. He did a big interview with one of the London newspapers here. I think they like him there. Yeah. No, they do like him there. Yeah. But he talked about how 
he is still bothered. Like he still stays up at night thinking about his losses to Andy Murray in the 2016 Wimbledon final. You remember he beat Federer mm-hmm. on route to that final. And that same year in the Aussie Open semis to Andy Murray. That basically that was his window, right? Like yeah. it was a very difficult era to win in men's professional tennis because you had Novak, Federer, and Nadal all going. And yet Murray was able to break through and get a couple. And Milos sounded like those were his to win, that he felt like those were the best opportunities he was going to get to win a Grand Slam. Unlikely to happen now, but hey, uh, all the best to him. We're a long way from uh, sneaking out the back door of UBC and on route to San Jose. Davis Cup time. Ah, yes. You may remember he was once dead to me, Blake. Yes, that's true. He was. Addy and underscore Mendez. Alex Debrinkit's camp has been quiet over the past few weeks, but on Monday his agent Jeff Jackson wanted to refute the suggestion his client was the one holding up a trade. Quote, agents and players don't make trades. That's the GM's job. It's getting a little uh, irritable there in the nation's capital with this American winger who wants out, wants to play in the U.S., interest in Anaheim. Detroit's been mentioned. But he wants a trade and he wants a contract. And he's looking at what some of the others have done and said, you know, hey, my Goal totals, my points totals hold up. We talked about it yesterday. The fre- the trade market is still very flush. Mm-hmm. A lot of good players are still on the block, which brings me to at the fourth period in David Pinota. As we wait on if and when Vladimir Tarasenko officially joins the Hurricanes and wait for Tony D'Angelo, on July 8th, you'll remember Carolina is looking to reacquire Tony D'Angelo on July 8th, but has to wait a full year because they retain money on him to send him to Philly. Pinota, hearing Brett Pesci is still in play, and Smashville is back in the mix and can confirm that Pesci owns a 15-team no-trade list. I bring that up because I know a lot of Canucks fans have eyed Pesci as a perfect defense partner as that defensive defenseman is righty to to play alongside Hughes. I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, what are you giving back in a Pesci well, deal? Well, yeah. significant, yeah. I would think. And then you got to sign him and Hronik next year. Well, that's pending it. UFAs. Yeah. How's that going to work? Uh, Hronik pending UFA or RFA next year? I think he's an RFA. Thought he was RFA. Yeah. Uh, Pesci is UFA for sure. Hronik yeah. is RFA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pesci is UFA. So you would be committing a whole lot of money there, but look, Carolina's been very active. We talked about all the cap space they own and trying to improve a hockey club that is already pretty good, and we're still really waiting for the bullets to fly in Nashville in terms of the bigger moves that Barry Trotz previewed last week and has yet to really make. It's so weird to look at the Canucks defense right now. Mm -hmm. They have three guys, and it takes, like, currently it'll take one injury the Canucks will have three defensemen in the lineup, 33 years or older. Like, is that a recipe for success here, mm-hmm. Matt? Like, we're, 
Is that a like if that's if Myers stays? Yeah. Well, as I said, and welcome, Matt. I mean, these guys have had success with uh, some of the parks' approach on defense in the past. It's going to have to be the case again this year. Wow, that is old. Uh, At offside DH, Canadian signed top prospect David. Ryan Backer to a three-year <laughs> contract. Pause intended there. Grady, don't edit that out. Grady, that pause. That was <laughs> intentional. I'm going stre- to stretch it out even more. Supposed right? to be there. Oh, okay. Dramatic. They'll lean in, Blake. Sorry, Kerry. What's um, he going to say next? I do wonder if they're going to use him this year. I mean, I, I think they're going to mm-hmm. allow him to come to camp and see mm-hmm. if he can win a spot. That was always the case with Ryan Backer and why I think he had some... You know, an additional element to the helium that he had in the last couple months is that people realize he's big enough. He's got experience playing against men. Maybe he can make the jump, and uh, he's, now they don't even have to work out a contract. That's all done. I think you're right. I'd be surprised if he plays the entirety of next season in the NHL. You think he's going to get the nine-game look? I, I think he's going to get a look. Yeah. yeah, But he's AHL eligible, right? Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, I, I think you'll see him playing uh, in the American Hockey League. And that's hashtags for today. Joined now by TSN hockey analyst, former Vancouver Canuck, Mr. Frank Corrado, before he goes on a bit of a summer sojourn here. Nice to see you. How was your Canada Day and free agency weekend? It was great. You know, we were hard at work at the studio and got to relax afterwards, but all is good. How about you guys? Uh, fantastic. Uh, did an easy PC show Saturday after they made the um, the signings that they did and then uh, was able to uh, enjoy a lovely weather weekend here in Vancouver. Hey, how'd you do on predicting contracts, Frankie? When last we talked, you told us you were the point man on trying to pin down some of the term and, and money that would fly around on July 1st. Uh, you know what? Just like every general general manager, we had some winners and we had some losers. Um, the ones that were the winners, those were my doing, 100%. The ones that were the losers, other people swayed and influenced me, and, and that's why we didn't nail those down. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, it's just like anything. There's some you get right, and then some you look at it, you're like, well, I don't see it. But then you have to look at the team situation and be like, well, that team actually had $10 million to go before they hit the salary cap floor. So they actually do need to pay that guy a lot of money just to bring him in. So there was a few situations like that. And then there was also a few situations where you see how much a team values a certain kind of player and, you know, they're willing to pay a premium for that. But all in all, I thought it was a good experience, a good exercise. And, um, you know, for our first year doing that sort of thing, something we can definitely build off of. We're going to uh, talk Canucks here, Cole, Susie and others in a moment. But did you have a favorite signing? Um, I don't know if I had a, a favorite signing. The the one trend that I really noticed is that that big, rugged, robust defenseman was in high demand. Like that was the guy that was getting three, four years of term and was getting AAV maybe a little bit higher than market value. It just with the way things have gone for, for Vegas and Tampa Bay, it seems like teams are really valuing that kind of demand where you know what you're getting consistently night in and night out. And the guy who's like the the smooth skating, puck-moving guy, maybe a little more one-dimensional, that kind of player either doesn't have a contract today or got like a one-year term at a decent AAV for what they've been making in years past. But it's 
teams were a little more reluctant to commit to that kind of player long term, which I don't know if that's different than things in the past, but the market certainly showed that teams want that that big rugged defenseman on their team for a I th- while. I think it extends to forwards too. I think we saw a big forward just size period across the board. Are these all big players that can skate or Heaven forbid, do you think the NHL might slow down a little bit with the, with this uh, emphasis on size? I would say it's more big players that, that can skate and can, they, that can move around. Um, just the, the way things are going, these guys, like the way training is, guys can be six foot four, 210 pounds, and they fly around the ice. And that's the thing that was always kind of scary for me as a defenseman. You know, you go out there against the fourth line and you think, okay, these guys are big. Maybe they're not that fast. And then they're flying, um, which, which which always presented a, a different challenge. Um, but, but you know, like it's one thing to skate around the ice very fast and do your thing there. You want to make plays. You're doing that at like 80% speed. Like mm-hmm. we always talk about guys who can make plays off the rush and high flying. I think it's great. It looks awesome. When it comes down to crunch time and scoring goals and make, making those plays in and around the front of the net, you have to slow things down. It's just your your brain can't keep up to your legs in those situations. And I think those guys, once they kind of establish that body position, and um, you know, they, they have a, a real good time making plays down low. So teams are valuing that. Like I, I saw Nick Bukestad, just for an example, like he got more money than maybe we anticipated, much more money than he was making the year before. Because he went to Edmonton and he did great, and he's a big guy. He's six foot four, six foot five. Like the, those kinds of players were, were in high demand. So you're right; it, it's not just on the back end; it was up front as well. Yeah, Bukestad, Susie, like these big, like they're not fast. Like they're 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 not fast players. They're, it's just size. I I I do wonder if we start we, to notice something. Well, we talked about this. So this is the year where the transition went from we don't mind the small guys because they're faster to. Wait a second! The big guys have caught up. They're now fast too. In in the in the prospects, yes, Matt. Okay. Prospects, yes. Veterans, I don't think so. These are not fast players. I I, uh, I wonder for sacrificing some speed here. For, well, they put it to you this way. Yeah. I'll put it to you this way. Okay, so I I played guitar basically my whole life, right? So I took an interest into how different guitarists do things, right? And some guys they'll talk about when they play a guitar solo. They can get up there and they got 45 seconds to, to rip a solo and they can shred a million miles an hour and do it really, really fast. And then some guitarists will tell you, yeah, I can do that, but I just kind of do what the, the song calls for. Whatever the song needs is what I end up doing in that guitar solo. So compare that to hockey where it's like, okay, the bigger guys or these smaller guys, they can skate really, really fast, but maybe sometimes these bigger guys, they just do what the game calls for and the game needs within that confine, Mm -hmm. and you get good results because of it. Mm -hmm. It's all about tempo, Blake, like your golf swing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying (laughs) I I think this is – there's – this is different. This is just eating up space versus versus speed. But there you go. There you go. You've hit it. You've gotten to the same end, and that is, can you affect space? You can affect space with speed, but you can also affect space with positioning and size, reach and And, wingspan. And one other thing on that, like, it's one thing to skate fast. It's another thing to process the game fast. Right. Right. Like, Like, some guys skate around the ice a million miles an hour, but they think pretty slow. And it slows the game down. Some guys, the puck gets on their stick and they've taken a look because they're moving at a certain speed. They're like, 
know exactly what I want to do with with this thing already. And that, like, they're processing the game faster, the game's moving mm-hmm. faster, but they might not be themselves as fleet of foot as some other players on the ice. And really, Frankie, like, how often in your career were you skating 100 to 150 feet in a straight line as fast as you can in a game? I mean, Just for, for me, it was going back for pucks for icings <laughs> or, or on right. breakouts, like that kind of stuff. Really, really most of the game, like, you know, you watch defensemen. I was watching a video the other day. It was like the, the filthiest NHL goals from last season. And a lot of them are, you know, these really crafty forwards skating in off the rush. And I'm trying to take a look at the defenseman to say, okay, like, what did he do wrong there? And really what it comes down to is like five to six seconds earlier, that defenseman didn't gap up and wasn't really thinking gap, about what could happen, right? So, so you get burned that way. So what I'm saying is you can do yourself a lot of favors if you're just thinking like one or two steps ahead instead of having to scramble and, you know, have like these really quick frantic crossovers to get back. So it, like as much as it's a speed thing, it's a speed in your in your brain kind of thing mm-hmm. as well. All right, tell us about your old teammate Ian Cole. You played with him in Pittsburgh. He signed here, and uh, we're told that he can play the right side and could well be the partner for Quinn Hughes. Your thoughts on all that? Um, I, so he can play the right side for sure. I, I was actually, when, when I played some games for the Pens, I played with him mostly. I played a few games with Ole Mata, two different kinds of players. I would say with, with Ian Cole, I always knew where he was going to be on the ice and what he was trying to do. There was no surprises playing with him, which I really appreciated. Um, and you know, I, I know like there's, there's some talk, maybe he can play with, with Quinn Hughes. I, I, that's fine. But ideally, he would be slotted lower in the lineup. Like when, when Pittsburgh was having success and he was even a younger, better player in his career, he was playing lower in the lineup than that. He's not a, a top pair of guy, but he's a very serviceable, serviceable defenseman. He has some puck moving ability. He skates well. Um, he's obviously pretty rugged. Like he's the kind of guy who's going to lay out and block shots. I, I can appreciate that about his game. Um, so I, I like what Ian Cole brings. It's just going to be about slotting him properly. But I will say like when it comes to the, the Canucks blue line now, instead of having, you know, someone on a monstrosity of a contract that's giving you certain quality of hockey. Now it's on a much lesser scale money wise, giving you that same kind of quality of hockey. So it's, you know, I, I know they had to get out of the OEL contract, but they're in a more advantageous position now. And they've added the right types of pieces as far as the the blue line goes and what they need. But they're probably they shouldn't be done. But they just how how are they going to figure this out? They they need to shed some money if what they want to get more help on the back end. What are your thoughts on a one year deal? Because um, Drake's brought this up with us yesterday. Um, the one year deal is great for your cap, great for your risk management as a team. Um, it depends on the player though, doesn't it? To be able to because that that one year for them is an audition for their next contract and you're either going to flourish in that environment or you're going to shrink under the under the weight of it and uh, you know it, it depends on who you are as to whether or not you can thrive in a one-year setup yeah and listen there's some guys that have played a lot of their careers on one-year deals and that's kind of who they are and they've gotten some maybe a two-year or a three-year along the way but it, it shouldn't. It really shouldn't be one of those things where a guy crumbles under the pressure of a one-year deal because you're right back where you started the next year. Um, and and for for Ian Cole specifically, like this guy has made the playoffs now in nine consecutive seasons, 
And the Canucks, it, it's been well documented how, how they think they're right on the cusp of the playoffs. So I wonder if that goes into bringing in a guy like this, thinking, like, is this guy going to make it 10 straight years going to the postseason? It's just, I think teams value that kind of stuff. And, yeah, like, you could say, like, there's maybe an aspect of that where, he, you know, someone plays on a one-year deal and it doesn't go well and they, they crumble. I would say a one-year deal gives you a lot of urgency and a lot of incentive to, to put your best foot forward every single night so you can cash in on, on another, you know, one more two-year deal or a three-year deal to finish up. Now, I know he's aging, and maybe that's not out there for him. Maybe he had to take a one-year deal. We don't know, like, all the circumstances, but – I, I would put my money more on a player playing with a lot of urgency, knowing what he just went through as a UFA and wanting to better that experience a year later. Why do you think Cole was able to have the renaissance last year? He was up to 19 and a half minutes tonight in Tampa. Very good team. And yet there he was playing more minutes uh, alongside a, a darn good defense court. I just think he had to. That, that was the nature of the beast for, for Tampa Bay. Like too many defensemen went out the door. Jan Ruda was a maybe not a household name to a lot of people before he got to Tampa, but he was excellent for Tampa Bay. Ryan McDonough goes out the door to Nashville, and Tampa needed to make sure that they brought in defensemen that could fit under their cap structure because those two players, Ruda and McDonough, were going to eat up significant portions of that cap that they couldn't afford anymore. So Ian Cole comes in as like your, your bargain defenseman, and has to eat some minutes, has to eat some valuable minutes, and does a good job with it. And it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, just considering the fact that he played on Pittsburgh when you know they they won two straight Stanley Cups. And you know, I know, like you know, I kind of mentioned the fact that he was lower on that decor, but he still played a significant role regardless of of the ice time there. So he he's been through it, he's done it. I mean, that's what I talk about with like the nine straight uh, playoff um, berths. Like that's. That's something that that teams value, and he'll have that experience to lean on as the season goes on and and hopefully help push the Canucks closer to a playoff spot. What was the secret of the success there on defense in Pittsburgh, Frankie? Because the 2015-2016 Cup team, I mean, I think after they won, people looked at it and went, this may be the worst defense score to ever win a Stanley Cup. And then the next year... They substitute Ron Hainsey and Justin Schultz for Ben Lovejoy and Brian Dumoulin, and they do it again. They repeat as champion. Is it an oversimplification to say, okay, the goaltending and the forwards were great and they could get by on defense, or was there some sort of trick, some sort of secret to that defense score uh, and the way it fit in built in uh, winning a couple of championships? Here's the trick. Okay, I'm going to huge secret coming up. And this was one of the first things they told me when I got to Pittsburgh. I, I heard it from the coaching staff. I heard it from a few players. Just get the puck to the forwards. Yes. Like on that team, <laughs> literally just get the puck to the forwards. However you possibly can, get it in their hands as quickly as possible and just let them do the rest. Like that's how good those teams were offensively and how dynamic that forward group was. So really like that that's the first thing you heard. But but I would say there's a couple things that come to mind. Simple, simple process for the Penguins defense. Like it, it was you never felt like your partner was too far away. So they would work a lot of these breakout plays where it's like just a little, you call it a dink pass, just a little pass off the boards that maybe goes four or five feet in either direction. And it's up to your partner to kind of figure that out or, or call for it. So you didn't have these like long behind the net, slow, slow moving plays. Everything was close support. And then the other thing I noticed playing for the Pens in, in my brief time there is 
the coaching staff there does a nice job of matching um, a forward line with a D pair and trying to make sure that that five man unit is on the ice together a lot. I noticed it there more than I noticed it on other teams. I, I thought on other teams I would be playing with like a mixed bag of, of any given line at any given time in the di- in, in the game. And then for me, like if I was on the third pair, I noticed I was on the ice with that Benino, Hagelin, Kessel line a lot in the game. Like a lot, a lot. And then if I ever played on the second pair because Pittsburgh was really decimated by injuries and they had to put me on the second pair with Ole Matta, I was on the ice with the Malkin line a lot in a game. So I, I, I don't know if that's something that continues for the Canucks and that's something that Tockett takes into consideration yeah. when he's trying to deploy his groups. But maybe that's something to keep an eye on this season, you know, like a little pattern where you say, okay, like the second pair, whoever's on that second pair, if it's Susie and Hironic, like watch if they're on the ice with the second line a lot or or if, if Hughes is on the ice with, with Pedersen as, you know, as – as much as he possibly can throughout the game. And, and you know, no one's going to say that Pedersen and, and Miller are Malkin and Crosby, but I, I do wonder, I mean, like the Canucks, when, when healthy, you've got, got a pretty skilled group of wingers too. Um, I mean, I, I wonder if you can still sort of steal the the general concept of get it to the forwards, let them do a lot of the hauling. Might they be able to apply that for the most part? I don't think it's bad advice. Like, why do you want to be playing east-west behind your net going D-to-D three, four times? Like, it, it really slows the game down. It slows down the flow for your forwards. And, you know, I've been on some teams where coaches are okay with, you know, the puck goes D-to-D in the neutral zone and it can go back to the D. And I like it as a D-man because I have the puck and I feel like it's organized and controlled. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh was one of those places where it's like, once it goes D-to-D, Forget your partner exists. It's not going back there. It has to go north. And it was just that kind of mentality. So, like, that's another thing to keep an eye on if they're going to do something like that. And there's plenty of skill up front for the Canucks. No one ever says that, you know, there's not enough skill up front for Vancouver. The the criticism has always been, you know, there's just not enough on the back end or the back end has too many aging players making too much money. Like that, that should shift a little bit now with, with the new guys that have been brought in. And I just think it's sound advice for a defense core outside of Quinn Hughes to just not mess around with the puck. Like take your time, make sure you make good plays, but the emphasis has to be north in a hurry. And you need a good goaltending in that system, and the Canucks have yeah. got that, too. So. Well, and uh, I can only imagine how uh, specific that Pittsburgh coaching staff was with Jacques Martin as an assistant and Mike Sullivan, our old friend, the Canucks' mm. former assistant. And Rick Tockett. As, yeah. as the head coach yeah. and Tockett, yeah. yes. That puck goes north, and it goes adjective north, uh, if I'm reading you correctly here, Frankie. Mm. Uh, lastly, development camp. You've got some thoughts on development camp as the uh, Canucks look to wrap theirs tonight following a scrimmage at UBC. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know if you're seeing a lot of this around the league, but I'm seeing some development camps where it's like they're bringing two full teams and they're doing games all week long. I just think it's, it's crazy to be doing that. It like development camp has to be exactly that development. So the emphasis probably needs to be on where are you at in the gym? This is how NHL players work out. This is what you're going to need to do if you want to get your body to the same level that the NHL players are at. As far as on the ice goes, these guys just went through a whole season. A lot of them traveled to the draft. Now a lot of them are traveling to your cities to go do development camps, some from as far as 
you know, Eastern Europe, let's call it that. And now you want them to start playing games and going toe to toe. These guys, like it's, it's just way too much. The focus should be on here's your skating mechanics and here's how you're going to implement it. Here's the game situations where you're going to implement it. And skill development, same kind of deal. Like, here's how you're going to do it. Here's how it works in a game. And put the pieces together. And it doesn't need to be this thing where, where the players are in town for seven or eight days at a time going head-to-head playing these scrimmages. It just needs to be, here's what's going to make you a better player. Now, go the rest of the summer and get ready and come back to training camp when you're going to apply all these things and try and earn a contract and, and do it against the real professionals. Because to ask players you know, to play at their peak in early July, right after a, a, like they've been training a little bit, their season finished, they're not quite where they need to be yet for a, for a whole season, then they're going to have to go back and keep training and ramp it up and then do it like we're just – you, you talk groin injuries, hip injuries, knees, all these kinds of things. Like that's why this, this is, those things are creeping in. Like you're asking too much from these guys. I think it's a great way to teach players, use it as a, as a teaching tool and then kind of send them on their way with that. Like give them a, 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 a booklet of everything that they worked on. They need to work on and come back and be ready to go uh, with everything you learn. So memo to Jeff Patterson, don't keep stats tonight. Doesn't matter. Okay. Oh yeah. It's gonna be okay. No, the the so live long as they know how to development camp. So long no. as they know what they're doing in the weight room, uh, with their off ice conditioning, pull ups, and how to be a pro. All about the pull ups. Uh, yeah. Speaking of pros, you're one, my friend, the best. Uh, thank you for this. You're off for a few weeks here. Look forward to catching up later in the summer, Frankie. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Scare some price. From Wall Center, presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips? He's going with great. Here are some omissions from yesterday's show and sadly a longer list. Uh, Patrick Johnson with a mistake. Had Carson Soucy as a Winnipeg Jet, he meant Minnesota Wild. That's kind of like the Manitoba of the U.S. Not a bad drive. <laughs> Winnipeg to Mini. Um, the hot dog eating contest did ultimately go on with Joey Chestnut yeah. and a pedestrian 62, the winning score. Yeah, it's a down season for him. Yeah. I mean, that's like Tiger winning the U.S. Open, but doing so at like two under par. By one stroke. Yeah. yeah. Only 18,000 calories. Yeah. Only. Four teams in the PH. WPA. WPA last season. Mm-hmm. And then, as mentioned, I forgot to report Monday poll results, which we did off the top. Blake Price's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got. We talked about that Canada win over Cuba, getting them through in the Gold Cup while they're taking on the Americans. And it's uh, it's an underdog story here because <laughs> the Americans just have better depth. Like Neither side is playing European players, really. Uh but the Americans just have better MLS players. So it's plus 340 on the Canadians to pull out the win versus the Americans. Had they won the pool, they would be where Guatemala is facing Jamaica, where Jamaica all of a, all of a sudden becomes the favorite at minus 135. But when you tie the Guadas... Can't tie the Guadas. Why are Guadas? I thought we were beyond tying the Guadas. Wow. Yeah. I don't think Afonso and... 
Jonathan David are tying the Guadas, but such is life. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to follow us and Rankwide wherever you get your podcasts, and please do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local. <laughs>